In the center of the field is Tommy Smith running through. Preston Peter Norman runs a play. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Muhammad Ali has just refused to be inducted into the United States Armed Forces. If they start to victimize the players who've placed their trust in me, at that point in time, it's an all-out scrap. Overnight, San Francisco 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick refusing to stand during the national anthem again. If you have something to say, you have to say it. You can't wait and say, I wish I'd said that. I wish I'd done that. Get up, stand up. Stand up for your right. Get up, stand up. Stand up for your right. Hello and welcome to the Gubs Are Off. You're tuned to Sport FM on 91.3. I'm Rye Driver and sitting opposite me is the dangerous, the deadly, the decisive, the inimitable Dirty Gordito. Wow. Welcome to all the fantastic fans of the Gloves Are Off here with a bit of Sport FM action. Great to be back here with the rebellious raconteur Rye Driver. And today we're talking about protests. I'll tell you what, Rye and listeners... I'm ready for the most exciting sports discussion since Muhammad Ali protested to Sonny Liston. You're too ugly to be the world champ. Tell you what, mate. I'm feeling a little bit agitated today, a little bit restless. Uh, it's a feeling that I just can't explain. We have a special treat to start the show today. It's time for the Gloves Are Off quirky quiz question. Nice. Win a terrific Gloves Are Off t-shirt by calling or texting 0439-947-491 and be the first person to correctly answer the following. Who participated in the 2003 British Grand Prix and the 2004 Olympic Marathon in Athens? Send us your answer and win a terrific T-shirt. Oh, great idea, dude. <laughs> I like it. I like, I like it. it very much, mate. Yeah. Hey, what's that noise coming from down the, out the street there? Right. Can you have a look out the window? I think there's... Oh, what's happening out there, mate? I tell you what, there's a dissident crowd gathering on the street. Some are baying for blood. There's a swell of disobedience. Whoa, it's getting heated. Some are carrying placards. We don't mind attracting an audience, but they weren't supposed to be carrying pitchforks, baseball bats, flaming torches, signs, placards. The, the crowd's just becoming a bit restless, slightly unruly and rather ugly. Well, how ugly? Oh, Mark Jackson, Wayne Wiedemann sort of ugly, mate. That's ugly. Paul Adams, bowling style sort of ugly. Ivan Glusina, kicking style, sort of ugly. Ivan Glusina. Played a state game, you oh, know. Yeah, just yeah. the one. Oh, what about uh, ugly kid Joe Ugly? Oh, yeah. yeah no, not, not bad. <laughs> Remember yeah. him? I'm just reading some of the protesting placards now, right? Look, look, this bloke in the plain white shirt. I'm so angry, I made this sign. <laughs> Good one, mate. And the young lady oh, yeah. there, look. See her. With the big What's sign that reads... Uh, the people behind me can't see. Well, well sit down. <laughs> well, well, this one's ridiculous. Yeah. My arms are tied. Oh, oh, it's, it's a protest, not a winch fest, mate. It's been a long walk from Fremantle up to uh, Rockingham Road there. Yeah, from Bassendoon. <laughs> yeah, hey, hey, look, there's yep. a few famous faces in the crowd, mate. Look, well, there are. Uh, Serena and Venus Williams. Uh-oh. And their sign that says, cut the dress code episode. Oh. What? Oh, I, I guess they didn't like your comment in the scandals episode there, right? Mm-hmm. Remember that one? Serena cracked a tandy at the umpire. Yeah. Her coach was using sign language. Yeah. The coach uh, complaining about her inappropriate dress. <laughs> yeah, you reckon she was wearing some tutu from the Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairies? Or, I, I don't know. I'll have to go listen to it. Yep. Hey, who's that in the number 24 Perth footy jumper? Look. Oh, it's Chris Mitsopoulos. What's he doing here? Apparently protesting. He didn't win the 1977 Simpson medal in the Grandy 
versus East Fremantle. That's Minnow's team, isn't it? East Fremantle. It is. It is. Yeah. And, well, he played far better than Wim Rosbender in oh, that grand final, so he's be. got a point. Go, Mitzi, I'm with you on that one, mate. I'll oh, get over it, Chris. <laughs> There's Mac Horton. Sun Yang is a dope fiend. Oh, Matt, come hey. on, you're better than that. What about the posse there? <laughs> 17 <laughs> of the Danaher brothers with a sign. No go to Sydney, Joe. <laughs> oh, here's another sign. Dunny for the throne. Oh, it's just oh, Wayne Clark. It's Wayne Clark. Oh, I remember Clarkie caressing the ball into the wind at the Wacker mm. with that smooth, easy action. Nice. His large shirt ruffling in the breeze. You know what, he was the last man to coach a winning side for WA. Good the point. Yep, back yeah, in the day. Right. Hey, Dunny used to dismiss Sunil Gavaskar blindfolded, mate. He had his measure. Played 10 tests. Ooh, 44 mate. wickets. Fair oh, effort. Pretty good effort, mate. Oh, hey, good Clarkie. Talk about painting placards. I can see the abstract expressionists are back in town because sport has always been the canvas used to challenge convention, prove the worthiness of a marginalised group and prod the nation's conscience to live up to its expected moral obligations. Right, deep as ever oh, there, right? I know, hey, mate. Hey, look, look, look. There's Martina Navratilova and John McEnroe with oh. their sign, Yvonne Gulagong Arena. Oh, great tennis players, but get over it, John. Yeah, Come on, guys. Get a new sign and a new cause. That's old news. Oh, here comes John McEnroe now. Oh, John. John, John McEnroe, if I could just grab a quick comment from you, John. We believe that Sport FM should rename this place the Gloves Are Off radio station. What do you think? You cannot be serious! Okay, I guess that's a no from John. Oh, he was a hothead, wasn't he, with a temper? <laughs> oh, yes, a super okay. Hey, John, uh, can I be yeah, no, no, um, uh, He's gone, right, he's oh, gone. Yes, yes. We're talking about dissent, demonstrations, revolt, rallies, outcry, and in some cases, mutiny. Many protests in sport are far from unknown. Athletes, fans and supporters have all been united in their ability to disrupt major sporting events. Whether it is to get rid of an unpopular coach, president or manager sacked. Oh, hey, like uh, Claudio Ranieri. Oh, the Fleet Foxes. Leicester yeah, City. That was it. Or even a desperate attempt to politicise an iconic sporting occasion. Now, mate, music also has played a big part oh, in the protest yeah. movement. For sure. A guy called P.F. Sloan penned one song in particular. Oh, the yeah. band, The Birds, yeah. remember them? Yeah, yeah. They yeah. rejected it. The Turtles didn't like it. Okay. The Beatles were chasing a walrus, <laughs> and the monkeys were monkeying around, so they gave it to a guy called Barry Maguire. Uh, John, John Maguire? Ooh, played in the 1978 Grand Final. Oh, good Winning side for his first, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, why didn't he play Sheffield Shield? Uh, I don't think they liked his moustache. No, we'll have to, we can ask Clarky. Getting back to Barry Maguire, who recorded it in one take, the lyrics scribbled on a crumpled old piece of paper. His producer calls him on Monday morning and said, Baz, turn on your radio, mate. You've got a big hit. And here it is. The eastern world, it is exploding. Violence flaring, bullets loading. You're old enough to kill, but not for voting. You don't believe in war, but what's that gun you're toting? And even the Jordan River has bodies floating, but you... Tell me over and over and over again, my friend I you don't believe we're on the eve of destruction Don't you understand what I'm trying to say? Can't you feel the fears I'm feeling today? If the button is pushed, there's no running away. 
there'll be no one to save with the world in a grave. Take a look around you, boy. It's bound to scare you, boy. And you tell me over and over and over again, my friend, I don't believe we're on the eve of destruction. Sitting here, just contemplating. I can't with the truth. It knows no regulation. Handful of senators don't pass legislation. Then marches alone can't bring integration. When human respect is disintegrating, this whole crazy world is just too frustrating. And you tell me over and over and over again. Bit of Eva Destruction, Ryan. It was a worldwide hit, very popular across Europe. I, well, believe. I, I believe it was big in Moscow, mate. Uh, Yuri Gagarin was a big fan. Oh, what about Sergei Bubka? Oh, mate, hey. Bubka, the old pole vaulter. He, he was uh, Ukrainian. Oh, damn. Or how about Alex Jezelenko? Oh, you beauty. Mm, come on, back to Russia, mate. In 1980, more than 60 countries oh, yeah. protest by boycotting the Moscow Olympics in response to the Soviet Union's invasion of Afghanistan. Yeah, of course. And then in 1984, the old tit-for-tat like in primary Ah, school, the Soviet bloc countries refused to attend the Los Angeles Olympics to protest the US boycott from 1980. Get your back. Hey, does this show go to Russia? I hope so. They love it, mate. They've got a great sense of humour, the Russians. They like a bit of comedy, mate. (laughs) Khrushchev, Trotsky, Stalin, Kasparov, Spassky. Oh, what about Vlad's, our mate Vlad's put on the Ritz. Uh, (laughs) Ivan the Terrible, yeah, Ivan Drago. Drake is in a movie. Is it Rocky? Oh, you tell me. Oh, you saying that Rocky's not real? I thought it was real. Oh, what about Pavlov and his mad dogs? <laughs> they were great. They <laughs> yeah, were. They were. Hey, Popov was a gun and Sharapova. Hey, yeah. hey, what about Rasputin, Russia's greatest love machine? Yeah. <laughs>
about Olympics in 1931, Germany wins the right to host the 1936 Olympic Games in Berlin. Right. Adolf Hitler was nothing but a trumped-up, pesky little agitator, a psychopath with one testicle and by no means near the seat of power. When the Australian team arrives in Berlin in 1936, the whole country is adorned with swastika flags and rosy-cheeked children. I mean, everyone, it seems, is infected with official cheeriness. It was hard not to be impressed. The Australians, however, had their inbuilt bullshice detectors on. <laughs> part of their national psyche and did their utmost to keep their distance from the government's propaganda machine. Good. At the opening ceremony, they protested! What did they do? Refused to give Adolf Hitler the Nazi salute. Instead, marched straight on past him, ignoring him there perched high Good in stuff. his glory box. Our mates across the creek, the New Zealanders, deliberately acknowledged the wrong person. Uh, another short German fellow in the crowd with a toothbrush moustache. To be honest, there are lots of other glitches that day. Part of the opening ceremony involved releasing thousands of pigeons into the air, okay. which was a colourful yeah, idea. Fair enough, fair enough, yeah. However, when a cannon was fired... Frank Cannon? Who's Frank Cannon? It's <laughs> a detective from the 70s. Oh, no, the big fella. No, seriously, mate. <laughs> when Frank Cannon was fired, the startled birds dropped excrement on the oh, assembled no. athletes and official party members seated below. <gasps> Messy. Oh, Lionel Messi? You mentioned spectators yes, eagerly awaiting the start of the Olympics. Well, what about in 1975 when two nations of cricket fans were eagerly awaiting a tantalising last day of a delicately poised third Ashes test match at Headingley, the ground where Australian cricket has suffered some of its most exasperating defeats. Beefy Botham and Boxing Benny Stokes yes, you're talking about. That's right, that's correct. Can well, in 1975, England required seven wickets to level the series and Australia needed 225 runs to go 2-0 up and retain the ashes. Poor old Rick McCosker. <laughs> was he swathed in bandages like a mummy? No, no. no that was, when that was, was that? Two years later. Oh, he was 95 not out at stumps, dreaming of his first test century. And then overnight, in protest at the imprisonment of George Davis, vandals crept into the ground. Sammy Davis? No. Well, well, Phil Davis's brother? No, 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 no. George Davis, a local lad, controversially charged with armed robbery. Now, the vandals dug up the pitch with, with an axe and, and, and poured oil over it. Now, I realise yeah. this is standard pitch preparation in many areas of the subcontinent, <laughs> but on this occasion, the pitch was ruined and the match abandoned as a draw. Mm. Of course, this was back in the, the free-spirited 70s when security measures were little more than a gentleman's agreement. Nowhere near as stringent as today. Yeah. Nowadays, mate, not even the players are allowed on the ground without a passport and a good frisking. Well, if Tony Gregg was with us, mate, the ultimate pitch oh. inspector... He'd be sticking that key into the pitch everywhere. Oh, bless him. Oh. Only Greggy could do that. I know. You're listening to The Gods Are Off, Ride Driver and Dirty Gordito here on Sport FM 91.3 and we're talking protests. OK then, mate. Following on from talking pictures, I believe, Ride Driver, you're about to discuss a famous picture. Yes, the St Kilda player, Nicky Winmar, who in 1993 at Victoria Park lifted his jumper to point to the colour of his skin in response to the continual racist remarks from the vile Collingwood supporters. There's that iconic photograph, mm. that special moment in time when Nicky Winmar said, I'm black and I'm proud of my Aboriginal heritage. Oh, a phenomenal photo of a sensational South Fremantle turned St Kilda player with a memorable response to the Collingwood riffraff. The photo of Winmar reminds me of the archival vision of an entirely different and terribly tragic protest when suffragette Emily Davison dashes oh. out from the crowd at the 1913 Epsom Derby. 
She tried to attach a Votes for Women flag to the horse of King George V, but was knocked over and died four days later. Gee, brave. I mean, what was she thinking with a 500-kilogram horse travelling at breakneck speed, galloping past her? Whilst on the subject of spectators and crowd behaviour, hey, who could forget Ray Illingworth leading the English team off the ground in protest at the SCG back in 1971? Of course, Ooh, yes. trouble started when the English quick John Snow, you remember him? Snowy? Yeah. He was pretty quick. He hit Australian tail ender Terry Jenner. Absolutely no relation to Caitlin or any of the other... Not Bruce, no. no. He hit he Jenner in the head right. well before the days of helmets. Now, Snow was grabbed by a spectator when he went to field near the fence. The crowd aggression then boiled over with beer cans being thrown onto the field. This was hopelessly un-Australian behaviour, especially as many cans of beer were still full. What a waste! They could have chugged a few more, then thrown them, mate. Illingworth led his players off the field in protest, refusing to return until all the cans were removed. Illingworth's actions risked a forfeit if he did not return. Uh, wasn't it Greggy Chapel and Dennis Lilly yeah. batting at the time in the middle there? Oh. You're thinking... Stayed out in the middle, probably hoping that England wouldn't return and Australia would be awarded the test and yes. kick the ashes. The best chance for Australia was actually if the beer cans kept being thrown. Well, if you look carefully at the digitally improved oh. footage taken from the Texas School Book Depository Building across the road from the SCG, yeah. you can clearly see the faces of some of the crowd throwing the cans. Oh, that looks like Ian Chappell and Dougie Walters. Ian Redpath. Oh, yeah. Kerry O'Keefe. Rodney Marsh. Yeah. And Keith Stackpole joining in the crowd and hurling beer cans. <laughs> well, what's going on? Oh, look, out come the police and they sneak back to the change rooms. <laughs> oh, oh, chickens. <laughs> the ground was cleaned up. Illingworth returned his team to the field. England went on to win the game and consequently regained the ashes. Australian cricket at that stage, mate, it was on its knees. Talking knees, oh, yeah. this reminds me of the quarterback from the San Francisco 49ers. Remember yeah, yeah, yeah. Colin Kaepernick, yeah. who sparks widespread protests in the NFL when he kneels during the playing of the national anthem to voice his opposition to the racial injustice and police brutality that disproportionately targets African Americans. Back in 2016, yeah, I remember That's that. That's correct. And American sports writer Jamil mm. Hill said in 20 years' time, yeah. Colin Kaepernick will receive a social justice award. Yes, well, you know my favourite African-American protester, don't you? Joe Frazier. Uh, no, nah, look, I, I know you prefer smoking Joe, but no, nah, Muhammad Ali. Leon Spinks, yeah. what about the toasted sandwich maker, oh, mate? No, not Spinksy, not George Foreman, and mate, it was a grill, oh, not a toasted sandwich maker. I know, I keep saying maker. toasted sandwich maker, I mean grill. <laughs> oh, what about big Kenny Norton, oh. mate? Didn't he break Muhammad Ali's jaw in yeah, about? Yeah, the big US Marine. Now, Ali finished the fight, even though his jaw was broken. That was amazing. Big Kenny. Now, in 1967, get this, yep. Muhammad Ali refused to join the US Army as a conscientious objector. Oh, a bit like uh, Simon Townsend. Well, yeah, yeah. Simon he stayed did, in his he, Wonderworld, yeah. mate, and yep. Woodrow didn't want to go to Vietnam either. Ali protested against being drafted into a conflict where no Viet Cong ever called me the N-word. Ali was stripped of his heavyweight boxing title, banned from boxing until the courts prevailed in his favour in 1970, but he missed three years of his prime boxing career. Did you just mention Vietnam? Yeah. Oh, mate, not since the Ballad of John and Yoko, protesting against the Vietnam War yeah. by holding a three-week bed-in-for-peace, hair-for-peace, love-in-for-peace at the Hilton Hotel Amsterdam did the protest move out of the bedroom and back onto the playing field. Yeah. 
old Amsterdam. Well, yeah, hey, love it. For the great man Muhammad Ali, though, it was a lonely road back to the top. The loneliness of the long-distance runner. No, What's this? The, lo- the runner, the loneliness of the long-distance oh. runner, mate. By Alan Silito, contemporaries with Hemingway, Orwell. This is a great little story. Our listeners want facts, not storybooks. Has it got big pictures and big letters? And It's got a lot of running in it. Oh. Don't be so negative, Dirty. The story starts with Smith, who's caught stealing and sentenced to be confined to Ruxton Towers, a prison school for delinquent youths. Shaken and taken there in handcuffs, he is detained in bleak and highly restrictive circumstances. He seeks solace in long-distance running, attracting the notice of the school authorities for his physical prowess. Long-distance running offers Smith a welcome distraction from the brutal drudgery of the prison school regime and he is offered a light workload for his last six months if he wins an important cross-country competition against a prestigious public school. For Ruxton Towers to win the cross-country race would be a major PR boost for the establishment and Smith has the incentive to cooperate. However, on the day of the race, Smith throws victory away. After being in front all day, he deliberately stops running a few metres short of the finishing line. What are you doing, Smitty? I don't know, even though he is well ahead and could easily win by losing the race in a defiant gesture aimed against his prison captors and the repressive forces that they represent. In deliberately losing the race, Smith demonstrates his free spirit and independence. Good on you, mate. You're listening to the Gloves Are Off Ride Driver and Dirty Good Eto here on Sport FM 91.3 and our theme today is protest. And if you're just joining us, where have you been? You've missed some of our best material. We've had a couple of responses to the quirky quiz question posted at the start of the show. Yeah, we asked listeners who participated in both the 2003 British Grand Prix and the 2004 Olympic Marathon. Yeah, here we've got uh, Laurie from Kensington has answered Dick Peel. Ooh, nasty. Is that an answer or a medical problem? <laughs> oh, come on, Do <laughs> You remember Dick Peel. He played for Perth back in the 1970 Grand Final. Sorry, Laurie. Wrong answer, mate. Oh, bad luck. Oh, Harvey from Bentley has answered Frank Shorter. Oh. Was Frank Shorter a marathon runner? Yes, Came yes. second in Mexico and won it in Munich? Yeah, that's correct. Something like that. Well done. Oh, 32 <laughs> years ago, Harvey. <laughs> Sorry, hey, mate. Barney from Cottesloe yeah. reckons Cliff Young. Interesting choice, the old potato farmer, but no. Deb and Glenn from Darlington yeah. have gone for Dustin Hoffman. Marathon man. Brilliant. Oh, is it safe? Uh, but something, it might be incorrect. <laughs> yeah, Mercedes from Rivervale believes oh, Forrest Gump. He was involved in every famous event in the 20th century. Not a bad guess, I suppose, but incorrect. If you think you know, text or call 0439 947 491 and you can win a terrific The Gloves Are Off t-shirt. Hey, talking of quizzes, let's do this. Welcome to Stars in 45, the most exciting sports quiz since Guglielmo Marconi invented the radio. This week's prize, Rye, is a oh, beauty. No, good on you, mate. A free watch of your choice from Watson's Watches. Yes, that's right, the ever-popular Shane Watson, a man who epitomised superb timing, has called time out in the watch manufacturing business. If you've been simply killing time with an out-of-date watch, make up for lost time and drop in at Watson's Watches, where time is on your side. You'll have the time of your life choosing a piece of quality time. Indeed, the times are a-changing, and Watson's Watches 
Another great prize on offer there, right? Just be the first <laughs> call up on nine four one eight double seven double zero to correctly answer the following question. In keeping with the protest theme, who was the Pakistan cricket captain who in two thousand and six forfeited the test match of the Oval by refusing to bring his team back onto the field in protest at the umpires making ball tampering allegations? Great question. Remember that one? I do. Hey, so we've got uh, big calls out there waiting for the calls to come through. Yeah, that's it. On the line, we have Sean from Shoalwater, who correctly answered, Inzamamal Huck. Remember him? The no, big fella? Great. Oh, I can hit the ball. He can bat. Slogger. Yeah, didn't, didn't run he? between wickets much, but didn't no. need to. <laughs> Tell us about yourself there, Sean. Well, didn't he, eh? Nancy Lance Armstrong riding past me in the first <laughs> place. Eh? No expense spared out here at Sport FM. Right, oh, it's a... I tell you what, Shawnee knows his stuff, doesn't he, eh? He does. How are you, Shawnee? How do you reckon you went, mate? I have no idea, boys, but I, I reckon I got the I reckon I got the hurling right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure if hurling was what the hell. Minnow stopped laughing. Right. Hey, he's given us the thumbs up. You've won, you've won the prize. You've got the watches. Oh, mate, you've got... Hey, what do you think of that, Shawnee? <laughs> Hang in there, mate. Keep listening to the gloves are off. <laughs> yeah, well done, Sean. Apologies for the terrible line. Sounded like he was in a bar at Croke Park in Dublin. So just quickly running through the answers. Oh, great, mate. Greg Chappell, of course, cricket. Smacked streakers on the bum. Remember that? With his <laughs> bat if they interrupted his innings. Greg. didn't like him, did he? Oh, no. no yeah. Then you got Martin and Avrilova, of course, from tennis. Protested at the Australian Open with John McEnroe. And then we had Wayne Gretzky, the oh. great Canadian. And the fans yeah. protested in the streets when he was traded to the LA Kings in 1988. Right. Correct. 
What a player. Uh, Nicky Lauder, of course, brilliant motor racer, mm. uh, protested that the Nürburgring track was too dangerous to race on in 1976, and they raced, and he suffered an horrific crash that nearly killed him. Terrible. Oh, Babe Ruth, the champ, oh, mate, the baseballer, had he protested against a lolly company naming a chocolate bar after him by creating his own lolly company. We liked to eat, didn't he? <laughs> Malcolm Brown football coach yeah. from a cherry picker yeah. when banned from entering the playing arena as a coach. Was that against Swan Districts? Genius. No, they might have been out of Perth well, Oval. I think it was Swan Districts, mate. Bill Woodfull, of course, cricket, protested against bodyline tactics in 1932 that there are two teams out on the field, one of them is playing cricket. That's in the song Bradman by Paul Kelly. Oh, great. John Drummond, oh, Athletics. No. Disqualified for a false start in Paris 2003, yeah, he not... protested by lying on his back claiming, I did not move. Well, he didn't move. He <laughs> stayed there for an hour. And then, of course, we've got Mandaknar and Gunzarig, who was the Mongolian wrestler. Oh. Now, his two coaches <laughs> stripped down to their underwear in protest at him losing the 2016 Olympic bronze medal match in Rio. Oh, Greg hey? Chapel would have smacked him on the bum, <laughs> mate. They're <so> original. <laughs> hey, forget the placards <laughs> and the flaming torches. We'll just do a strip yeah, show. True. Oh, and, of course, we had John McEnroe, oh. the, the great tennis player. Now, he protested to the umpire almost every match he played. He did. Basil Dolivera, cricket, mm. sparked the ban on South African cricket due to apartheid when he was included in the English touring party of 1968. That's correct. Yep. yep. We had Jesse Owens on the list there, the brilliant athlete. He won four gold medals and openly walked arm in arm with German competitor Lutz Long back at the famous Hitler 1936 Olympics. Ooh, Jesse. Angel Matos. Mm. Oh, this one's a crack-up. Mm. Uh, the Cuban taekwondo athlete yeah. protesting against losing his bronze medal event in Beijing in 2008 yeah. by, get this, kicking the referee in the head. I've seen the footage. Oh, Disgrace. That is. We, we move on. Basil Campbell, of course, the great South Romano footballer in 1981 at Claremont Oval, kicked the ball over the grandstand when a free kick was given against him. There's a bit of footage of that, I believe, on the uh, Facebook site. There is. Yeah, you can have a look. There's some goose there wearing a helmet. It's <laughs> <laughs> not Basil, unfortunately. We love you, Basil. Yeah, you're listening to The Gloves Are Off. Ride, driver, and dirty good eater. Sport FM 91.3. Our theme today is... Protest. Well, as frustrating as some of our Stars and 45 contestants might be, it was a frustration of a financial kind that led to the next protest. Yeah. In 1970, Australian Test cricketers were paid a pitiful $180 per Test match. What? <laughs> it's ridiculous. Five years later, it was up to $200 per Test. Stemming from disgruntled, disgracefully mistreated cricketers throughout all cricket nations due to poor payments and unsatisfactory treatment, and in protest at the Australian Cricket board refusing to sell Kerry Packer the rights to televise the game, World Series Cricket was born. Give it to him, Kerry. Austin Robinson was involved in that. He was indeed. And Strop. Strop. (laughs) John Cornell. 157 goals in 1968. Yeah, Delvin Delaney. She didn't kick many goals, but she was part of it. Oh, yeah. Kerry Packer secretly signed up 50 players to participate in his own exclusively televised tournament known as World Series Cricket. Zipped it, didn't they? Didn't even talk about it. It was amazing. This was the beginning of day-night cricket with coloured clothing, a variety of camera angles, helmets, and some of the most exciting and intense cricket ever witnessed. The Chapels, Lily, Lloyd, Holding, Underwood, Roberts, Imran Khan, 
Viv Richards and Barry Richards. What about Keith Richards? Oh, yeah, of course, and uh, Mark Richards on his surfboard. No, the rally driver Jim Richards, the Kiwi, drove his car in, I Good suppose. Right. Oh, Rene Richards bought her tennis racket. <laughs> yeah, and Denise Richards. Oh, yeah, Charlie no. was there. Yeah, yeah. Kicking up a fuss. All part of it, mate. Drunk. Uh, carrying on <laughs> on a slightly serious note, mate. Oh, yeah. Many South Africans participated, including Eddie Barlow, Mike Proctor, Garth LaRue and Clive Rice, who had suffered from the sporting world protesting against apartheid policies by banning South Africa from international sport. What's his name? Hilton Ackerman. Oh, He never got to play a test, did he, because right. of it? A little left-handed. That thought it would only last a couple of years. It lasted 20. Oh, of course, Ackerman's son, HD, played test cricket, though. HD. And he is now one of the world's leading cricket commentators. Although I'm not sure if he ever quite recovered from Wazzy Macram hitting him in the head. He played, didn't he play the same number of tests as Barry Richards? He did. Barry Richards got to play in the super tests of World Series cricket, the organisation that revolutionised the game forever. The way the cricket was played, promoted, broadcast, and the best players could now play professionally without financial burdens. The millions of dollars presently earned by cricketers worldwide is thanks to the courage and foresight of those involved in forming World Series cricket over 40 years ago. You're listening to The Gloves Are Off here on Sport FM 91.3. Ride Driver and Dirty Godito today talking protests. An interesting article has been sent in by Tony from Parkerville regarding protests. Oh, the King's Cross Oarsman. <laughs> I the, think you mean uh, the, the King's, King's Cup Oarsman. Yes, I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Sorry there. <laughs> A King's Cross Oarsman yep. is a scary thought. Oh, it is. <laughs> Let's look. <laughs> yes, Tony from Parkerville also works as a professor of protestology at the <laughs> University of Western Australia. And he's sent in an article entitled Protest Attire uh. Tips or Dress Your Best for the Big Protest. It says, Leave your jewellery behind as rings will get snagged on protest banners and no makeup as the tear gas will make it run. A thick overcoat is recommended. Mm -hmm. Denim is making its way back into fashion, however. The coat's not only good for uh, pinning items on, badges and that, it's good for arm protection (laughs) if you encounter police dogs, mate. Good point. Not a bad point, that one. And the next one is, a strong wide brim hat rather than a cap is advisable. Well, some protection? Yes, but also deflects projectiles away from your face. Trending of late also, zinc on the arm. Preferably with the phone number of your lawyer and a picture of your mum. <laughs> Very handy. Hey, cotton <laughs> shirts are all the go. Lightweight, practical, and they don't burn or melt into your skin as the ro- result of flares or flames. Oh, jeans are ever popular, aren't they? Although yeah. I'd consider yeah. trackies, no. if fleeing from authorities. Yeah, fair enough. Yep. Uh, bear in mind, however, not to overdo the denim. Besides People presenting do. an unsightly fashion disaster, this material becomes quite heavy and uncomfortable when the high-pressure hoses are aimed in your direction. Footwear. I personally would go for uh, light runners for mm-hmm. a quick getaway. Oh, yeah. Or what about the old Doc Martens to oh. lay the boots in, mate? Um, finally, eat well before you go. The police stations do not have a great reputation for nourishment or taste. Yep. Yeah, get on your tone. Keep well up the good toes. work, buddy. Yep. Yeah, get back in your rowboat. Yep. Uh, yes, there was a big protest day, of course, back in 1968, right, yeah. that I know you're <coughs> itching to tell the listeners about. But just as you psych yourself up for that one, we've got a winner with a quirky quiz question. Have we? Yeah, we asked who participated in the 2003 British Grand Prix and the 2004 Olympic Marathon. 
Look there. who we've got here. Who? Andrew from Morley. He's a bit of a gun. He, he knows is. his stuff, oh, he? loves his St Kilda. Andrew. Big Stewie, they, they named him after Stewie Lowe, mate. Big Stewie, yeah. They call him. What's his nickname? Buckets. Okay. Andrew from Morley. Andrew from Morley has come yep. through with the correct answer. Neil Horan. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> not that idiot. He ran on the everywhere. Formula One track. Who does that? Ran onto the Formula One track in the 2003 British Grand Prix with cars having to dodge around him. And then he, he, he shoved the Brazilian runner of Vandalay de Lima off the road to interrupt the 2004 Olympic marathon. Yeah, he upset his rhythm, his <laughs> oh. pace, his balance. His, you know, yeah, it was sort of the world was going to end. Muscle soreness and, and a placard to the back of the head. Oh, a couple. Hey, good on you, big Andrew. You've won yourself a terrific gloves are off t-shirt. Well done, yeah, sir. Well done, Andrew. Well done, Stewie. Keep listening, buddy. Anyway, listeners... Oh, a ride driver is now putting on his black glove and raising it defiantly to the heavens as he mentally prepares himself to take us back to the most significant sporting protest of all. The archives are well served with the story of civil rights and protests. In 1968, the struggle travelled south to the Olympic Games in Mexico. Following the medal presentation for the 200 metres, Tommy Smith Gold and John Carlos Bronze took a stand for civil rights by raising their fists in the Black Power salute. Mm. Australian Peter Norman, who won silver, wore the Olympic Project badge for human rights Good stuff. in support of Smith and Carlos. The IOC, with the little dictator, Avery Slavery, banned Smith and Carlos from the Olympic Games for life. And Peter Norman was rebuked and ostracised and left out of the Australian Olympic team for Munich in 1972, despite oh. registering times that would have demanded his inclusion. That's ridiculous. His time of 20.06 still remains an Australian still, record. Still. After all these years. Yep. Tommy Smith explained later, if we yep. win, I'm an American, yes. not a black American, but if I did something bad, then they'd say I'm a Negro. The famous wearing of a single glove each came came about by accident yeah. when John Carlos yeah. forgot his pair of gloves. Oh, Johnny. I don't know, he left them back at the village. <laughs> he had other yeah, things on his mind, I think. He certainly yeah. did. So Peter Norman suggested to the pair that one wear the right glove, the other wear the left. Good on you, Pete. John Carlos's only regret was that he couldn't do it again. Hey, hey, didn't mm. the Australian government surely apologise to Peter Norman? Posthumous apology uh, in 2012. Disgrace. Six years after his death. Ridiculous. Hopeless. At Peter Norman's funeral in 2006, Tommy Smith and John Carlos both gave eulogies and were pallbearers 38 years after the Black Power salute. Sensational. On the podium, Tommy Smith and John Carlos both wore no shoes to symbolise poverty. Oh, that's right. Beads around their neck to show the history of lynching and oh. violence in the USA and, of course, yep. the gloves to symbolise black power. Amazing. They had told Peter Norman what they were going to do at Mexico City. And he replied with four simple words. Mm. I'll stand by you. Right. Hey, what about Wyoming Tyus, the American sprinter? Ooh. The first person to retain the Olympic title in 100 metres. Well, in 1964, of course, in Tokyo, and then in 68 in Mexico. Now, she protested, and very few even realised she had, by wearing black shorts, not the required blue, white, and red of the USA. Oh, and she yes. also offered her gold medals to Tommy Smith and John Carlos. I didn't know that. On that note, listeners, I think it might be time to say farewell. Yeah. And we look forward to our next pulsating production here on Sport FM. Same gloves time, same gloves channel. Well, channel this then, Dirty. Who wrote the number one protest song of all time? Rick Astley. Uh, no, no, no. no. John Lennon and Yoko Ono's oh. 
Give peace a chance. However, however, mate, that's not the song we're going to play today. That's not the song we're spinning. We're going to play John's version of the Benny King's masterpiece, Stand By Me. Oh, I love this song. As a tribute. beauty. I know, as a tribute to Tommy Smith, John Carlos, and Peter Norman. Well, this is Dirty Guadito saying ciao for now. And bye from Rye. Thank you.